This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are uh, in our fifth week of a study entitled Truth Be Told, and we're uncovering common lies that we all tell ourselves. Week one, we said that we all have the lie of deceit inside of us. It lies inside of all of us. Uh, And I want to pull your attention uh, to your attention, okay? I want you to focus on focus today. I want you to, to understand that there's a lie of deceit that, that, is, that is covered itself in distraction, okay? And so we're, gonna, we're going to uh, look at this today from Psalm 119. We've been in Psalm 119 the last five weeks, and we're going to continue uh, to study Psalm 119. And today we're going to be in a, in a most well-known passage of Psalm 119, It's the second section. Remember, there's 22 sections of eight verses in Psalm 119. And uh, the Jewish tradition tells us that this is how David taught his children, even Solomon, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so, Aleph, Bet, Gamil, uh, Delet, Vav, He, uh, you know, all the way through the letters. And each one of the letters is a section in the Hebrew alphabet and a section in this passage of scripture. So take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. We're going to go to the second section. And the coordinating letter of that second section is the section, the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's a letter bet, or we it would look in English Beth. Now we know this as house because uh, the city of David is the house of bread, right? Bethlehem. So Beth is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And we're going to talk about dwelling and, and the house uh, of analogy a little bit later. But I want you to notice in verse number 9, it says this in Psalm 119, 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, uh, Psalm 119 is a fascinating passage because it is redundant on purpose. It is over and over again talking about the truth. There are seven different words for the truth in this passage. Uh, Commandments, statutes, precepts, which are like values, uh, law. And, And so it goes through and it's talking about the truth, the truth of God's word. And the truth about focus and passion is the key to overcoming distraction. Now, I believe the greatest tool the devil uses is delay and distraction. Now, we've talked about delay a few weeks ago when we said, uh, when we talked about the lie of later. But if the devil can't get you to deny the power of God, he'll try to distract you from it. He'll try to deflect you from it. And the lie of distraction is, is so powerful. And, and by the way, I tell myself this lie all the time, and maybe you've told yourself this lie, and it's, I'm not a naturally focused person. So I don't know about you and your cars or, or, or here in the tent, but if you're a naturally focused person, good on you, okay? But I'm naturally distracted. What was that? You know, I'm naturally distracted. But the lie I tell myself is, well, because I'm not naturally focused, then I need greater discipline to have greater focus. 
But that's not how the Bible works. That's not how God's way works. God did not leave us with greater discipline to have greater power. He left us with greater power to have greater focus. It's not about discipline. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, he said, when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In fact, I put in your notes, John 16, 13. It says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Now, how do we have truth? Well, it's the Holy Spirit that guides us to the truth when we've wandered because of distraction. So David said this in Psalm 119, 5. Oh, that my ways were directed or focused to, that, to keep thy statutes. Now, how does God desire us to be focused on his ways? Well, um, we, we have to have the Holy Spirit's power, but, but we have to understand that distraction is a part of all of our lives. Now, researchers uh, have been saying for years that we are a part of the greatest distracted generation to ever walk the planet Earth. Okay? This is the most distracted generation to ever live. And, and they pointed out why, and of course technology is a part of that, and I'm not an anti-technology person. I was talking in the first service about pay phones, and uh, my son looked at me and he said after the service, what's a pay phone? I said, thank the Lord you don't have to carry around change, and you know, you're in the middle of the phone call and it, you know, the, the quarter drops, and you're like, I don't have another quarter. Okay? We don't have to worry about that. We have instantaneous communication, but we also have instantaneous distraction. We also have constant notifications and, and distracting us from our focus. So there are three ways to focus in an age of distraction. We're going to talk about priorities and how priorities are decided through actions, not through intentions, not, not through our, our thoughts. They're decided through actions. Then we're going to talk about passions and how our passions are directed through our attractions and our affections. First, you're attracted to something or someone. Then you have an affection. You have a passion. You have a desire for that person or that, that thing. So, And then we're going to finally end specifically talking about our plan and how our plan, when, when we're following God's plan, it must be defended away from distractions. It must be defended. You have to defend the plan that God has given you. You have to defend the thoughts uh, that God is, is placing in your heart and mind. Otherwise, uh, like the parable of the sower, it'll be stolen away. So number one, focus wins over distraction when we decide our priorities through our actions. Now look at verse number nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way or her way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Now the word, word way here, cleanse his way, it's fascinating where it's a word of rock. It means a caravan of thoughts connected together. Now get the picture. Okay, he was talking about a caravan of maybe camels or, or you know, of, of carts or something. All connected one to the other. But think about this. What about a train? It would be a really good connecting point, right? One car is connected to the next car. And the more cars you get, the, the bigger, the longer the train is, right? Well, he's saying, how can you declutter the pathway of sorting through your priorities? How can you declutter? How can you remove the distractions from your way, from, from your caravan of thoughts? Well, he talked about this. He said, I have refrained my feet from every evil way, Psalm 119, 101. 
that I might keep your word. So he's like, there's some things I'm going to have to say no to. There's some things I'm going to have to let go of in order to keep your word. Verse 102. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. So he's saying, you are the one that, that's focusing me, keeping me on point. Now, Solomon, David's son, talked a lot about the thoughts leading into our actions. In fact, he said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Remember that? Lean not on thine own understanding. Then he says, in all thy ways, a rock, in all thy caravan of thoughts, acknowledge him and what? He will direct your path. So Solomon talked a lot about your mind directing your feet, but he also talked about your feet directing your mind. And so I want you to see in, in uh, Proverbs 16, uh, 2, I want you to see this. He says, all thy ways, uh, he says, all the ways, all the rock, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So he says, you can think that you're focused. You can think that you're on the right path. You can think that you're doing just fine. But the Lord is the one that really can tell. And then he says this, and this is a great verse. This is a great verse for the teens to memorize, for everyone to memorize. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So now he's talking about when your way is, when your actions are, are surrendered, then your thoughts aren't hindered, right? So he's saying, the way is, how do you clean your way? How do you purify your way? By taking heed through your actions, taking heed to the word. Now, what's the word taking heed? We've studied this two weeks ago. It's the word, the Hebrew word shamar. And, and it means to defend something or to protect something that could be taken or tainted. Okay? So we protect the things that we care about. We, we, we set up a hedge of protection, so we protect them. So he says, by taking heed. Well, what is this talking about? He's talking about the fact that truth will either keep you from impurity and sin, or sin will keep you from truth. And, and, and many times the impurities in our hearts, we, we allow them to linger because we do not understand their danger. We allow those thoughts to start lingering. And, and, and the way that we get those thoughts out of our lives, the way that we remove the distractions, is we order our steps like he says in 133, order my ways according to thy word, and let not iniquity have dominion over me. You see, what we allow to grow in our hearts, what we add to the train of our thoughts, right, it has dominion over us. So your focus will actually grow into a, a, a harmful thought process or something that will grow you closer to Christ. Now, in Matthew 7, 24, I gave it to you. There's a parable of, of the wise man and the foolish man. And the wise man built on the rock. And Jesus said, those that not just hear my words but do it are those that build on the blueprint of my word. Now, I have a blueprint here. Many people come to church for the blueprint. But they leave church and they put the blueprint in back of their mind and they never use it. See, a blueprint is only valuable if it's used, if it's followed. And the blueprint of God's word must be followed tomorrow, not just in your mind today. So it's actions that select priorities. You see, here's a key thought. That if the list of our priorities does not match the action of our lives, we're believing a lie. We're believing a lie. We have to follow God's plan, follow God's 
uh, timetable, follow God's blueprint every step of the way. Now, when God's blueprint is followed, it does two things. Number one, it clarifies your purpose. And number two, uh, it allows the steps of life to get much more simple. It simplifies things. Now, when we don't follow God's blueprint, let's say we get distracted from it. We think, well, it's no big deal. Uh, a detour is no big deal. But the lie of distraction says that as long as you get back on path, that that detour didn't have any consequences. And that's not true. Every detour, every distraction has a consequence because when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. And God says, listen, if you live the life that I've called you to live, it'll start with you living out, not just in your intentions, but in your actions, what I've called you to do. Number two, number two, we don't just, we don't just direct our actions, but we direct our passions. We direct our passions by addressing our, our affections and and our desires. So, how do we do this? Verse number 10, it says, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Now, the word I have sought in, in Hebrew is the word derash. It means to passionately focus on, to be intently focused. He used this word in Psalm 119, 16, when he said, I delight myself in thy statutes. And when our passion is driving us to, to love others by loving God, then our, then, then our passion grows because our, our affection for others grow, right? How do I love you? I can't love you unless I'm loving God through you. And I can't love God unless I'm loving God through you. Does that make sense? So it goes both ways. I can't just love you because you can love me in return. I have to love you because I'm loving Christ through you. That's the secret of the Christian life, is our passions grow as our affection for Christ grows. And a lot of people say, I just, I just don't like reading the Bible. I have people tell me that all the time. I just can't get into the Bible. It's too hard. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's not enjoyable for me. And I said, I, I often say, listen, it's not going to be enjoyable until you start focusing on what it can do in your life, until you start force-feeding yourself the Word of God. It's not going to be an enjoyable. You have to come to the Word of God and say, what can it do in me, not what can it do for me? And so we come back to the Word of God and we say, are we willing to live it or we, do we just want to learn it because it makes us feel better? Let me say that again. Are we willing to live it, or are we just wanting to learn it? See, a lot of people in churches, they're just wanting to learn it because it makes them feel better. But, but my Bible says if you're not doing the Word, if you're not living the Word, you're not passionate about it, you'll never be passionate about God, much less other people. Now, there was a study done about 10 or 15 years ago. I studied it uh, when I was getting my graduate degree. And it was uh, a study that was done at Princeton University. Uh, University, but the, the theological seminary there at Princeton. They took a hundred pastoral students that were uh, studying, that were almost ready to graduate, had gone through arduous training, and, and, and they knew the Bible inside and out, and, and Greek and Hebrew and all this stuff. And these seminary students were passionate about the Word, at least they were supposed to be. But this research firm basically set up this, this false uh, premise that they were going to have to study for a sermon, and they would only have 15 minutes to study it. And so they said, we're going to give you the topic, we're going to give you the story, we're going to give you the background, the context, and then you go, you study for 15 minutes, and then you have to give a 15-minute message in front of your peers. Oh, man, my goodness. 
we, 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 we've really got to be on, on our game, right? Because, you know, my girlfriend's going to be out there. Or my, my, my roommate's going to be, right? I mean, so they're, they're amped about it. So they said, what's the passage? Well, they said, we're going to be studying the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. They said, we, you probably know this parable, but let's go over it again. And they talked about uh, the, the, the religious uh, leaders and, 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 and walking by the, the man on the side of the road who was all bloodied and, and in need, but they were too busy. And they, they walked by, and they walked through the whole parable. And the Good Samaritan stopped and, and took time out of his schedule and was inconvenienced to help this hurting person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's preach about it. So all 100 of these future pastors uh, got up from uh, this, this time, and they said, okay, you have 15 minutes, and, and where you're going to be presenting is, is across campus. It's about a five-minute walk. Now, these men, these, these researchers knew the pathway that these students would take, and so what they did was they, they, they put one of the drama students uh, along the way, and, and they painted fake blood all over this person with these realistic-looking wounds. And, and they wanted to see if any of those future pastors, any of those people who knew the story, who knew the context of the story, who knew the outcome of the story, who knew why Jesus told the story, if any of them would stop. Here's this man. For all they knew, he was bloodied. He was about to die. He was sitting against the bushes where everyone could see. And do you know how many of those ministerial students stopped? Not a one. Because they were so focused on the truth they were so focused on sharing the truth that they did not live it. And I'm passionate about not just doing church, but being passionate about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It must be seen in our lives, not just heard from our lips. And so it's not good enough for me just to stand up here, and, and, and I'm so thankful for the dozens of families who've, who've told us they're listening on the radio in Anna Verde and, and in West Palmdale in the Rancho Vista area, and, and, and we're thankful for the radio, we're thankful for online, we're thankful for the tent, we're thankful for air conditioning in our cars, we're thankful for the slight breeze and that it's not a hurricane wind, but, but what I really want to be thankful for is if God will touch our hearts to the point that we can make changes in our lives. See, passion must start with action. We must live out our beliefs. Now, when we have misplaced passions, it, 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 is, it is detrimental to our relationships with God and others. I want to give you two misplaced passions that, that destroy relationships. In fact, uh, one of the fastest things that will ruin a relationship is misplaced passion. And when we, when we get distracted and, and we have an emotional distraction, uh, researchers tell us that, that is the strongest type of distraction. When you get emotionally thrown off course, when something affects you deep, you know, the amygdala, it, it literally creates a response in the stomach. That's why you say, oh, it just hit me in my gut. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a gut instinct, right? Like, ugh, I just felt that one. Well, literally, it is, it is the, the inner working of an emotional distraction. There's two found in this, this passage. First, the, pas the misplaced passion of vindication. And vindication said, says, I must right this wrong. I must correct this. Someone wronged me, and I'm going to wrong them, or I'm going to make it right, so that if they won't apologize, they will feel bad about it. And we tell ourselves this lie, that if someone else feels bad about something they've done wrong, you'll feel better. But here's the truth. You never feel better. You never feel better about being bitter. You never do. 
And so let me read you a verse from Psalm 119 since we're studying this. Psalm 119, 156, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let's read that together in your cars, on the radio, or here. Great peace have they. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let's read it one more time. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You say, well, that was written before the 405 freeway. That was written before, uh, before the coronavirus. That was written before, uh, you know, everyone was on edge. That was written before uh, everything that was going on in society. No, 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 wait a second. It's not, about, it's not about the fact that people won't offend you. People will offend you. It's not about not being offended. It's about not staying offended. It's about having such a high passion and a high view of, of your relationship with God that you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with God because you've lost a relationship with someone else. See, I can't be at odds with you and right with God. I can't. And so the misplaced pa pa passion of vindication, but also there's the misplaced passion of recognition. See, when I am so intent on you recognizing me and you validating me and you making me feel good, when you don't make me feel good, I'm upset with you. You're in my way. You're supposed to be helping me. And so when I'm self-focused, I, I have these thoughts that David explained as thoughts of vanity. He said, turn away my eyes, verse 37, from beholding vanity. And so we must decide our priorities through our actions. We must direct our passions through our attractions. What are you attracted to? What are you focused on? What, what are you longing for? What are you hoping in? And then finally, we must defend our plans from distractions. Defend your plan. Now, if, if focus is going to win over distraction, we must hide God's word in our heart. Verse 11 says, he says, I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I want to focus on two words here. The word hide or hid and the word sin. Because there, there, there's a parallel in this verse, verse 11. I want you to see this. I've studied this verse a lot before and I had to memorize it as a, as, as a teenager. But I really didn't understand what it was saying. David is a military man. And the word for I have hid, thy word have I hid in my heart. The word I have hid is safan. It literally means, it means to store up or to treasure. But it means to place strategically before a battle. It's a military term. David was saying, I know distractions are going to come. I know offenses are going to come. I know difficulty is going to come. I know mistakes are going to come. I know things are going to come into my life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to place the truth as a barricade, place the truth as, as a protection around me before the darts of the devil, before the distractions in life. I am going to anticipate distraction with a setting up of truth. That's what this is saying. Now, the greatest way I can, uh, I can, and maybe you don't get this analogy, and I'm sorry if you don't, but I grew up in Iowa without technology. Did I mention that? And in Iowa, there wasn't a whole lot to do. You know, California, you have, you have the, at least the ocean or something. I mean, you can't even use it now, but I mean, at least we have it, right? But I grew up doing really, really weird things. I mean, toward, for, for, for your view, okay? 
And one of the weirdest games we used to play, I don't know why we did this. I said it in the first service, and people didn't believe me. I have pictures to prove it. But there were walnut trees all around my house and all of my neighbors' houses. And um, we would play walnut wars. Now, you might say, oh, that seems pretty harmless. Have you ever been hit with a walnut? It's the size of a golf ball. It hurts. Furthermore, the teenagers thought it would be good. You've heard of potato guns? They had walnut cannons. They'd be shooting these walnuts at you, you know. And, I mean, you did not go to a walnut war without some sort of, you know, we had those metal trash can lids, you know, that had the handle on the top. Man, I love those things. They're like a shield, you know. You better have something to protect yourself. And so what we would do is we would set up our, our we, we would each have a, a fort. We would each have a, our team would have an area of protection. But it would be really ludicrous to set up those barriers and protection during the battle. You can't, you can't win a battle that way. You have to set up your defense before the battle. And let me just say something, that you can't go into work on Monday morning without a defense, without the whole armor of God, without the truth of God's word permeating your heart. You say, well, I don't have time. I mean, I'm, I'm tired. The weekend wears me out. And now I, I just don't have time to do this whole meditation thing you've been talking about, reading the four verses, whatever, whatever. I just don't have time for that. And I would say, you don't have time not to. You, this is the most important thing you could ever do. Why? Because you're going into battle whether you like it or not. And whether or not you win is dependent on if you're strategically placing the truth in your heart and in your life. So here's a key thought. If we are not strategic about living the truth, we will be defeated by the deception of distraction. You say, why is it deception? Well, the lie of distraction says, you know, I don't have to set my priorities. In fact, I'll have less stress if I set my priorities. Nothing could be further from the truth. See, if you don't set your priorities, someone else will set your priorities for you. If you don't set your focus on Christ, someone else will set your focus on them. Someone else will set your focus for you. Friend, you have to be purposeful about your focus, focusing on Christ. And so he says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And I want to end here. The word sin is the word kata. It, 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 means, it, it means to err or, or to miss the mark. We've talked about it, to forfeit healing and well-being. But, but the... The, the word begins, and it's, it's a part of the eighth section. The eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet is hot. Uh, it's C-H-E-T. It kind of looks like that in English, but it's, it's almost like cut. Okay, it has this weird back-of-the-throat sound. But the reason why I'm saying that is because the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the, the, the pictograph, is, is a hook. It's actually, if you look at the letter, it looks like a hook. And, and, and a hook was used back then for, for wandering sheep. And actually, uh, David says in the last verse in Psalm 119, he talks about wandering. He says, I have wandered as a lost sheep. Psalm 119, 176. You know, sometimes God has to bring you back. Sometimes we get distracted from sin. We take the bait that Satan gives to us. That if you just, if you just wait, or if you, just, if, you do, if you don't focus on it right now, or if you just buy into this distraction, or if you buy into this, you know, if you just put it off, if you, if, you, if you just take the distraction, it won't matter. But it always does. And so I want to tell you that when we let God's priorities be our plan, 
We will treat every distraction, and here's the takeaway. We will treat every distraction as an enemy of your passion. Now, let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear that sin is forfeiting health. Sin is forfeiting well-being. But grace is all throughout Psalm 119. And the grace here is in verse 12. I want you to look at verse 12. He said, blessed are thou, O Lord. He says, for thou, O Lord, blessed are thou. Now think about this. You're either focusing on God as the solution or you're focusing on your pressure as the problem, but you can't do both. And the, 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 the devil's going to do everything he can to, to, to just dangle some bait. Whatever that distraction is, whatever that emotional uh, pressure, whatever that, whatever that distraction, he's going to dangle bait in front of you to try to hook the, the, the hooks of sin into you to pull you away. And the greatest, greatest thing you can do is praise your way out of pressure. The greatest thing you can do is say, God, I'm not going to take the bait of distraction. I'm going to focus on you. Because every single morning, his mercies are new. Every single morning, he's ready for a relationship with you. He's running towards you. And friend, if you will stop and pause and just say, God, my heart is focused on you. He will be your hiding place. He will be the, the calm in the midst of the storm. But as long as we're living busy, distracted lives, we will always be depleted. Because sin is trying to bankrupt what wisdom and truth is trying to get you to save. See, the word hid is storing up. It's treasuring. And what you save, you treasure. And what you treasure, you save. You will either hold on to the thoughts of distraction, or you will hold on to the thoughts of God's word, but you can't do both. May we focus on him. May every single day we turn our attention to him. And friend, if you're here and you're listening on the radio and you don't have a relationship with him, let me encourage you. That relationship is one moment away, a moment of turning from yourself and turning to him, turning to who he says you can be, turning to his saving grace, turning to his forgiveness for your sin. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.